As I said earlier, I am revisiting a couple of my first sermons. Um, and the reason for this is while I was on vacation in Colorado, I met a man. He is actually the owner of the ranch we stayed at. Um, it's not what you see in the Old West style ranch anymore, but is a ranch nonetheless. Name was Leonard Kruger. Um, and he shared his testimony with us, and this is why I've decided to go back. Leonard is the third-generation owner of the property. Um, it was bought by his grandfather in 1917. <clears throat> and it even has a barn that is made out of hot logs. And when I say hot logs, yes, they were stolen. <clears throat> you see, back in the early... Early 20th century, they were logging, and they would send them down the river, just like we've seen many times. Well, to build a, build, a building in this town, um, they would swipe the logs out of the river, one or two at a time, and apparently nobody ever noticed. Um, Leonard's testimony is he would give it. Uh, he married. A woman and he said she was the meanest thing he had ever seen scared him so bad that there were times at night that he would go hide in the barn and pray Lord please save me from this woman um, <clears throat> and the Lord answers Lord answers her prayers um, and he begged the Lord to use him any way he saw fit. Well, the first step was one of the pastors came up to him one day and said, Leonard, we don't have a door greeter. Can you, can you greet the people as they come in today? So he started doing that. <clears throat> and I don't remember if he said how long he was doing that, but he got discouraged and said, Lord, is this all you're going to use me for as a door greeter? Can I, can I do more? Well, as time went on and on, um, Leonard was asked to uh, preach one Sunday because there, were, there was nobody to preach. Um, the book of Matthew um, And this all just came to me, and I don't even remember where I was at, but book of Matthew 18.20 says, Where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there also. And in John, Jesus said that who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, or he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, and whatever you ask in my name, I will do that in the, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And as I thought about Leonard's testimony and mine, um, God had to tear us down and create a, an empty space in us just so he could fill us with the Holy Spirit. So we can go out and preach and, and spread the gospel 
Um, Leonard is preaching God's word in and around Gunnison, Colorado, where I was at, and I am here with y'all. Um, at times I felt like I wasn't ready, like I wasn't worthy. A fear of not knowing what's going to happen. I also read and listen to Stephen Furtick, if you've never heard of him. He is the pastor of Elevation Church, and I believe that's in North Carolina somewhere. Um, one of his posts is uh, Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I've talked to some of you this morning and how nervous I was. And if I would just read my own sermon, I would probably be all right. Um, going over my testimony again, uh, I know I gave this probably five or six years ago. But in my first marriage 20, 30 years ago, I had it made, or I thought I had it made. I had all the nice things, the nice truck, the boat, the jet skis, the four-wheeler, motorcycle. Um, I spent vacations at the lake, went on cruises, um, went hunting when I wanted to. Um, I had friends that were the same, so I guess I felt like that was normal. And then my world started to come apart. I got laid off in 2001 for three months. Bills got behind in a hurry. Um, but I got called back to work, but I had to start off at the bottom all over again. And it was about this time that when I was working in our test lab that I found the first of the Left Behind books, and I read it twice. And I started searching for the rest of them, and I found every single one of them, and I've read them two or three times. Um, but I still didn't know what I was missing. Uh, in 2007, um, my wife and kids left me. Um, I knew it was, kind of knew it was coming, didn't know it was so soon. Uh, but I still wasn't ready, and it hurt. It hurt bad. Sometimes months later, and I use this, uh, God smacked me in the back of the head because that's what my dad used to do when I was a teenager and wouldn't listen. So God smacked me in the back of the head, um, and I prayed for the first time, and I don't know how long. I broke down in tears, spilled my guts, humbled myself before God and for the first time in my adult life I bought a Bible and I started reading and and I brought this Bible here and it's it's a little worn not bad I probably should read it a whole lot more but uh, I looked up vengeance because I was still angry I still wanted to get even but if you read the Bible, if you read Romans chapter 12, um, start at verse 14. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I shall repay, says the Lord. And that's where I stopped reading. I thought, that's what I was looking for. God, use me. Let me be your tool. But if you turn the page, it says, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way because, you know, being a human, I wanted to get even. But for in, doing, for in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on your enemy's head. So that tells me to remain calm. God has it. He's got it. Let him do it. And it's what I've called the karma verses. If you think about karma or believe in karma, God is karma. God started showing me love. Every person along the way showed me something about love, good and bad. And I eventually met Karen and her family. I couldn't ask for a better family. I couldn't ask for a better wife. Five years later, I still get choked up. Any man should be proud to call this family his own. I know I am. And now over time, I get to call Heather, Cheyenne, and Michael my own. I've been blessed at this time, at that time, it was four grandchildren with Zoe, Dea, Avery, and Mason. And as you all know, we have Wesley and Riley, and now we have Cooper coming. And I have had the great fortune of meeting all of you, my church my church family who I love each and every one of you. I've started going back to my family reunions, which most of you know this. Karen and I go, my family loves Karen. My family loves Kara and Thomas who have gone. We have still have yet to get Daniel and the kids up there we have tried but due to COVID that kind of postponed everything and and I got this scribbled out from the last sermon but 
I've had the opportunities to tell of Jesus, Jesus' love to a few people, and to explain to them that Christians are about love, and we are trying to be like Christ. We're not perfect, we're just forgiven. And uh, this is my little side note on sports. Um, this has been a while ago. So Georgia beat Austin Pay 45 to nothing. Georgia Tech beat Alcorn State 41 to nothing. And Georgia Southern beat South Carolina State 37 to 6. Um, and, and I also posted, if you were like me, you're boycotting the NFL. And Miami plays LSU at 730 on ABC. Um, I still do not watch pro football. And after reading over, I skipped one or two of my sermons, and I've gone to forgiveness because, to me, our mine and Linder's testimony is about God's forgiveness for us when we started praying to him and actually accepting him as our Lord and Savior. And after reading some scripture on forgiveness, I've found that it is a high priority for Christians. Not as high as baptism or accepting Jesus as our Savior, but it's up there. I mean, we say and do it every, every Sunday in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And if you forgive, in Matthew it says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. And a problem we all have is, as humans, we sometimes live in the past. Um, what someone has done to us years ago will pop up in our minds, or when we hear things, hear their name, or a voice, or even saw them somewhere, Um, but Paul says that he focuses on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward. Look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. We should strive to do this, forgive and forget. I know it's easier said than done, and most of us, have that certain someone that their name, the sight of them, the thought of them, makes our blood pressure rise. Um, and I have still do not like this word. The word is hate, a bad four-letter word. Um, in First John it says, If anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Why would we hate someone? Because they have done us wrong and we haven't forgiven them? No matter how long ago it was, we need to forgive these people and pray about it. We may find out that our memory ain't that great, and that it is something we find is petty or insignificant once we do this. Forgiveness is easy. In Colossians, Paul says, make allowances for each other, each other's faults, 
and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we overlook a person's faults and still think, oh man, what an idiot, we need to keep it to ourselves and then help them so nothing happens to them. Isaiah, God says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and never think of them again. So for us as Christians, being like God, being like Jesus, we have to forgive and never think of that again. Excuse me. In Romans it says, Just as sin ruled over all of people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if God forgives and forgets, and we get eternal life, why shouldn't we forgive others? In my search for these words of forgiveness, I have found many verses where I had to read whole chapters or several verses. Words that have enlightened me. If you look towards God... Pray and open the Bible. He will show you where to look to find what you're looking for. And there you will find your peace. And finally, I've got plenty of time, so I'll be done in probably five or ten minutes, Terry. Um, I was watching the news the other day, and a news reporter mentioned the four horsemen of the apocalypse just because there was forest fires and flooding. So that kind of brought me to my sermon, the beginning of the end. Um, and it apparently was during Lent, but um, people think that all these things that are going on are signs from God well they probably are telling us to straighten up um, but they are not the beginning of the end because when the rapture happens um, it's going to be quick if you look around you behind in front of you these people represent a small idea of what will happen who will disappear Think of what this will mean. Gone from our lives forever. Think of the impact not only on our lives, but on our community, our businesses. Everything will be affected. How fast is Jesus returning? Well, I'll put it like this. On this couple of days before I wrote this sermon, I went to pick Avery up from school. The kids were out there playing in the playground. Um, and let me step back a minute. In Covered Bridge Subdivision, they have a parking lot at the back of the new Marlowe Elementary where 
the parents can pick their kids up and drop them off for school and after school without having to get out there on the highway and wait in line and all that. The kids come right out to the subdivision. It's pretty nice, a good idea. So I was picking Avery up, waiting, and the kids were out there on the playground playing. Um, and as usual, I always got there early so nobody got my spot. Um, so, and I'm listening to music and I have my phone hooked up to my truck and I look down to uh, change the song and when I look back up, all the kids were gone. It seemed like a split second. Um, some of the swings were still moving back and forth, but there were no children and no teacher, teachers. They were gone. When Jesus returns, it's going to be faster than the blink of an eye, and that's what this seemed like. Our loved ones will be gone, sitting next to you one second and gone to next. Nothing left but their earthly possessions. Their clothes, their wallet, their purse, their jewelry, their glasses, just sitting there. They're not going to need them anymore. Can you imagine the turmoil and the devastation, the chaos, the cars suddenly with no drivers, tractor trailers, planes with no pilots, pilots with no passengers, ships at sea missing crew members and guests, trains with no one driving them, no passengers at all, gone. And not just here in Bloomingdale, not just in Georgia, but over the whole world. This is how I know that the end hasn't happened yet and I haven't been left behind because the chaos will be so mind-numbing, it's just hard to grasp. And uh, when I think of this, of all the bad things, I also have to think of the good. The sick will be healed, the lame will walk, the deaf will hear, the blind will see, and the dead will be alive. Why? Because of their faith and love for God. How about the Christian, Christians that are held captive, being persecuted, tortured by people trying to get them to give up and denounce their God? The ones about to be put to death because they're Christians, raptured. And I can't say that loud enough. Raptured. And it makes me laugh to look at, to think of the looks on the faces of their captor, captors. Those he, heathens about to kill a Christian just because they're a Christian. They're looking around trying to figure out what happened. And they have absolutely no idea. And Jesus doesn't even know when the rapture is going to come. Only God the Father does. And I picture Jesus looking at God so many times and asking, just like a child or a teenager would, Is it time now, Dad? How about now? Or come on, Dad, it's got to be time now. After all that? And God just shakes his head saying, not yet, son. Can you look, imagine the look 
on your boss's faces, whether you're gone or maybe both taken up. Surprise! Imagine the search at IP for the employees that will be gone. They'll turn that place upside down. And that it's just normal procedure. When you can't find somebody and you've looked and looked, you shut the machine down. And they will get upset when they find you. But if you are raptured, they won't be able to find you anywhere. They'll shut that machine down and they'll just be looking for everybody. If we know when Jesus is coming, a lot of people would live like it's a great party until a week before or a day before, and then they would repent, get baptized, and pray like there's no tomorrow because there isn't. But not knowing, we must be forever vigilant, always obeying God's laws, living like Jesus would, loving one another blindly. And I want to say, no, this is not a doomsday sermon. It's just a reminder that Jesus is coming. And we don't have a clue as to when. This coronavirus, as it still goes on, isn't an end-all plague. It may be just a reminder to straighten up. But we shouldn't worry too much about it. Do what the doctors and nurses advise. And this reminds me of Reggie because Reggie has said to so many of us, why do you go to the doctor if you're not going to do what he says? Don't listen to the media, because the media is very biased nowadays, in my opinion. News reports are just news reporters are just reading a script and they really don't know diddly. I know you all might have heard there is a little chaos going on right now. People buying up toilet paper and hand sanitizer like it's going out of style. Schools closing. St. Patrick's Day canceled. Um, and, of course, the NCAA just went crazy. And I'm not a basketball fan, but they canceled March Madness. Um, then they had a very short football season, which was very disheartening to me. Um, And I got something in here that's just not ringing a bell to me. But I think if we all put our faith in God and use the medicine that he provides, we wouldn't need all that TP and hand sanitizer. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 is titled, Love is the Greatest. Prayer and love together will conquer all things. If we have any ability, any knowledge we want, but don't have love, we have nothing. If you bow your head, I have a prayer. Lord, thank you for everything and for everyone. This wonderful, beautiful day, Lord, thank you for, for giving uh, us a president that gave us a national day of prayer. Lord, we ask your blessings to fall on us so we do your work always. Keep us on the right path. Keep us safe.
Keep us strong in your love. Amen. To be better disciples in your kingdom and to spread your word and love to all. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.